There's some energy in here this morning or something going on. Uh, I like all the changes. We should do the, the house music intro more often. Welcome to All Souls Fellowship. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, we come to celebrate uh, and, and worship each week, to come to fellowship together, to be with the Lord, to commune with Him, that we might see Him and be transformed. And part of that is uh, the ongoing transformation of the leading of God's people. And as we celebrate our life together and our participation in God's family, whether it's in our little slice of it here at All Souls Fellowship or celebrating what God is doing in other churches with our brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, so today, this morning, we have a special occasion to celebrate with our kids, having kids in the worship service today as part of a family Sunday every fifth Sunday. And then also we celebrate today uh, the, the time and the fellowship and the friendship of Carrie Wheeler, our worship director, leading us in worship for these many years. We're going to save that for after the worship service uh, so that we would come in uh, to God's presence with one another by prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might be with him and be shaped by him, that we might love one another well and bear his likeness in the world. So as we get settled into our seats this morning, I want to invite you to prepare your hearts for worship. Take a deep breath, close your eyes, uh, and offer up a prayer of invitation to the Lord. Uh, that our worship would be acceptable and pleasing to him. That we might see him for who he is and see ourselves for who he says we are this morning. And then we'll begin with our prayer of the day. God, who was and is and is to come, in you we live and move and have our being. You have created us to be your image bearers in this broken world. Help us to live out your love and mercy. Jesus, you know what it is to be human. Be with us in our doubts, our fears, our lack of faith, and our stubbornness. Open our hearts to those around us and help us to walk in the way of peace. Holy Spirit, our companion, comfort us in our illness, encourage us in our despair, and strengthen our faith. God in community, holy in one, in you we discover the fullness we long for, even as we pray as we are taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I invite you to stand and join in our call to worship. O Lord, let our souls rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Come. Let us bow down and bend the knee. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. 
morning, all souls. How y'all feeling this morning? Awesome. James 2.23 states, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham was called a friend of God in contrast to those who have no acts of obedience to prove their claims to faith and are therefore seen to be friends of this world. We declare that we are friends of God as we love impartially as God would see it fit. As we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are friends of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. He calls me friend. Come on, y'all. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. He calls me friend. That you hear me when I call. Is it true? Is it true that you are thinking of me? 
be praying on the G. He calls me. We give you praise, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Please join in this prayer of adoration. Liesl will lead us in reading from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He gives, he guides me along the right for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
No matter how many times we fail, God is always doing new things in our lives. Whenever we break our promises to obey, God is faithful. Let us confess our lives to the one who loves us, saying, Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, and what our hearts can no longer bear. Where we are blind, open our eyes. Where we are deaf, let us hear. Where we doubt, give us faith. Where we hate, remind us of your love. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What a word at the beginning. Oh, sorry. I forgot there's an assurance of grace. Oh. good news dear friends God's love has no end God's hope rests upon us each day God's forgiveness restores us new life beloved in Jesus we are forgiven
Will you please pray with me? God, we come to you this morning praying for the whole church and for the world that God so loves. We pray for the leaders in our nation and in other nations. God, may they seek justice and pursue fairness and peace for their people. We pray for our global mission partners and those around the world who are telling the story of your son Jesus and bringing compassion and hope. God, we also pray for our state, city, and the other neighborhoods where we live. For our teachers, we thank you for your dedication and love that they give to their students. For the healthcare workers and so many others who continue to serve the people in our communities, we pray that you continue to keep them safe and healthy as they help those around us each day. We pray also for our friends and neighbors who are sick, hungry, lonely, or poor. For those who have influence and opportunity, God, give us the strength and bravery to seek out and help those around us who are marginalized and need, us, and need to know the love of Christ. May we serve and show people how much you love them because, and become instruments of your peace. This morning, we also want to pray for all our college students as they settle back into the school routine, especially lift up the campus ministry of InterVarsity and our partners, India Anderson. We ask for your peace as she awaits the answer from the Spellman Chaplain on starting a virtual Bible study and your favor that the administration embraces some opportunity for their students. Thank you for the opportunity to meet together here. May we not take for granted being able to gather, worship, celebrate, and hear your word. Give us, give to us faith and courage and show us how through your Holy Spirit we can practice the way of Jesus for the renewal of all things. In Jesus' name, amen. I want right now for you to kind of key in on this moment because we get to do something really exciting. So wherever you are, if you are, you know, younger than, say, uh, me, uh, then, I, you know, this, this moment, I really want you to kind of pay attention because we get to do a baptism this morning. And it's a, it's a moment where we acknowledge that God's grace comes before us before we ever could love God. God loves us first. There's a story that we're going to read in a little while where there are these men and they are, uh, they have a friend who really, really needs help, really, really needs Jesus. But there are all kinds of things in the way. And so they do whatever it takes to carry their friend to Jesus. And so when we, when we come to that part in the scripture reading in just a little while, I want you guys, if you are, uh, if you are, if you are younger, to draw a picture of that scene. To, to, I'd love to see you, uh, you know, kind of capture that moment. Uh, and we'll kind of put it up on our Instagram page and all that stuff. It'll be great. It's kind of like our church's refrigerator door. But they carry this friend to Jesus, and that is exactly what we do when we baptize a child. 
We're carrying them to Jesus, making promises on behalf of that child that they can't make for themselves yet. And we promise to carry them to Jesus until the day when they can make those promises for themselves. So I want to invite James and Corey Peterson to come on up and bring Iris. Jude, if you want to come on up too, you can. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And I will be with you until the end of the age. And so, faithful to Jesus' uh, commands, we baptize those whom he has brought. So, first question I would have for you is, Is it your desire to present Iris Marie for baptism this morning? If so, say yes. Okay. Do you acknowledge Iris' need for Christ's, oops, sorry, (laughs) sacrifice and for the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? If so, say we do. Do you claim Christ's covenant promises for Iris? And by faith, do you look to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do for your own? If so, say we do. And do you unreservedly dedicate Iris to God and promise to rely on God's power and grace through the Holy Spirit to model and pass on the faith to her, the faith that you have received through prayer, through scripture, and through participation in the life of this community so as to bring her up as a disciple of Jesus? If so, say, we do. Okay, and I have a question for all of you. And I would invite you all to stand for just a moment as you make these promises. Do you, as members of Christ's body, assume responsibility along with these parents for the spiritual nurture of this child? If so, say, we do. And will you promise to model faithful discipleship to her and to provide as far as you are able all that she needs to trust and follow Jesus so that one day she may confess him as Savior and Lord? If so, say, we do. All right. Well, Almighty God, we know that without your grace, no promise is ever sure. And so we ask right now that you would set aside this water from its ordinary use, that it would be a sign and seal of your covenant, that in these waters you would bond Iris to yourself, that you would receive her into the life of this fellowship and bring her into Christ's ministry of renewing all things. By water... And by the Holy Spirit, you bring her to yourself, you free her from sin and death, you claim her and seal her as your own. God, we thank you for these promises. We thank you that they are sure. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, Iris. Remember how good my fingers tasted earlier this week? (laughs) We're going to have a repeat performance of that. (laughs) Iris Marie, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have been buried with Christ and raised in newness of life. Child of the covenant, these promises are for you. Amen.
Friends, welcome the newest member, your sister in Christ, Iris Marie Peterson. So yeah, this is this is good. This is good. All these people are here for you. They're here. They promise to carry you to Jesus. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your grace, for the assurance of newness of life, and we ask that in these days that you would bond iris to this community that we would remember these promises that we have made this day that we would remember our own baptism we would remember that it is our privilege to get to carry each other to you we thank you we love you and it's in your name we pray amen amen thank you Jude, you want to help me with the announcements? You want to help me with the announcements? Well, first we've got to say our offering prayer. Come here. All right, we're going to say thank you for everything you give to us. All right? But first we've got to say this part. So I'll say this part, then you lead everybody in saying that part. Uh, as we practice each week the giving of our tithes and offerings, we respond to God's invitation of grace, and we respond giving him back all that we have. Not only our money and a tenth of it in our tithes and offerings, but all of our lives. And so I want to invite you to join with me as we pray this offering prayer together. Dear God, we offer you our praise. We offer you our hearts. We offer you our money. We offer you our lives. Thank you for everything you give to us. Amen. Awesome. Good job, buddy. You can stay up here and we'll pass the peace to each other and then, and then you can go down in a second. Uh, to join with us in the giving of tithes and offerings, there's an offering box out in the lobby for those who are watching online uh, or who want to choose to give online. You can go to our website. There's a give button on the top of the page. But now stand with me for the passing of the peace. Hear the teaching of Christ. A new command I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. Friends, the peace of Christ be with you all. And as God has given us peace through Christ, let us pass the peace of Christ on to one another. Say hello to somebody around you, grab some more coffee, tea, hot chocolate out in the lobby, and then we're going to come back in here for the announcements. Hot chocolate. It's a good choice.
All right, if you're out in the lobby, make your way back into the sanctuary and back to your seats. If you got a worship guide on your way in, flip to the back page where you'll see our announcements uh, for the upcoming weeks uh, and even months as the prayer, prayer conference is in there taking place this summer. If you're interested in that, I invite you to read along there. Just in the next couple weeks, though, we want to highlight this Thursday, February 3rd at 10 a.m. meeting here in the building is the first meeting of the, the winter Women's Thursday morning study. So uh, come and, and join with the, the, the group that's gathering on Thursday mornings uh, beginning this week, each Thursday. Uh, child care is provided if needed. You can sign up for that. Um, make sure to grab your book and, and join us starting this week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, men, your turn will be on Saturday, February 12th. We'll have a men's breakfast, still determining the location, uh, but we're going to talk about our, our engagement with social media and how we present our Christian witness on there. Uh, and certainly don't do anything to harm it, uh, as we know there's that power there. And then kids, remember during the service, as Stephen comes up to preach for us, draw a picture of, of, of this, this man's friends who are bringing him to be healed with Jesus. And if you want to stick it on the church's refrigerator, as Stephen called it, uh, you can hand those to Catherine after the service. And again, after the service, we invite you to stick around as we keep celebrating together uh, with donuts and more coffee and cookies out in the lobby. That's it for the announcements. Like I said, read through them on your own. If you have any questions, reach out to us. We'd love to help you out. Well, good morning, everybody. Kids, remember, as Mike just said, to key in on the scripture reading, which we're going to get to in just a second. We have been walking through Mark's gospel for about seven weeks now, and uh, before we jump in this morning, I want to kind of step back and put on a wider lens. Up until this point, we have seen what it looks like when the kingdom of God begins to break into the world and bring about the flourishing of the kingdom, the, the shalom, the peace, the, the fullness of life that God intends. Spiritually tormented are, are restored. Uh, those who are sick are, are brought to a place of of health, those who are on the margins, on the outside, are brought in to the center. It's this biblical picture of flourishing, of shalom, kind of retaking the world. And all this, while this is happening, Jesus' fame is starting to spread because he is one who speaks and acts with authority. And all of that kind of throws a giant curveball into the established order of things, which up until this point has been vested in the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. There's tension in the system. And they're asking, who is this Jesus who does the things that he does and says the things that he says? How does he have the authority to do that? And so as his fame grows, there's this pushback that begins to happen. First in the spiritual world, we see that with Jesus out in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And then with the religious leaders. And then ultimately with the power system of the world at the time with Rome itself. So with all of that kind of humming along in the background, we're going to zoom back in this morning on a passage that highlights the depth of Jesus' authority and what it is that he came to bring. Forgiveness and healing. And then there are two responses 
to what Jesus brings. There's trust and there's offense. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, we are in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Friends, listen carefully, for this is God's word to you. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking to themselves. And so he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Almighty God, we ask that you would open now our hearts to your presence, that as we listen, your word may begin to make its way into our hearts, into even the deeply guarded places. May it take hold of us. We ask this in the name of the one who is transforming us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, the people heard that Jesus had come home, and they were stoked. We don't tend to think about Jesus as having a home, right? In the popular imagination, he's kind of always out on the road, out doing something. But Mark makes a point of telling us that while Jesus was out in Galilee revealing the kingdom in village after village, sometimes he would come home. And when he did, that was all that anyone could talk about. Jesus' home had a door that was open to the world. It was a place where heaven and earth were held together. Wherever he was there, whenever he was there, the kingdom was present. And so these crowds would begin to gravitate toward him. They would bring all of their hopes, all of their expectations, as well as all of their guilt and their brokenness and their longings, both the ones that they knew about and the ones that were deep down underneath the surface. The crowds actually play a pretty big part in Mark's story. It's almost like a character in and of itself. He mentions the crowd almost 40 times before we hit chapter 10. And the crowds, they're the ones who are listening to Jesus' teaching because, you know, they're the ones that he aims his compassion toward. But the thing about the crowds is they're fickle. While they hear, they're even amazed that that doesn't necessarily translate into their following after Jesus. Turns out, 
proximity to Jesus is not the same thing as faith in Jesus. To borrow an image from Thomas Merton, uh, the crowds are the ones who come and they, they gather on the front porch of Jesus' home, but they never take him up on the true invitation to make themselves at home with him. And so maybe the most common thing about the crowds is that they end up being the ones who actually keep people from getting to Jesus. That's the scene that's going on here. Everyone is jammed up inside the house. There are all these people around Jesus. Others are packing into the courtyard. He's, he's teaching about the kingdom. And these four men, they come carrying a friend of theirs who has been paralyzed. Only they can't get to Jesus because of all the crowds. When they realize that they're never going to get their friend to Jesus by being part of the crowd, they improvise. Now, it's actually pretty common for homes in the first century to have ladders or uh, external access to the roof. Uh, multiple generations lived together, and so the roof was another place like a deck. It was a place to, you know, go and get away from the heat. Uh, maybe it was a place to get away from your family. And so stymied by the crowds, these guys, they find their way up onto the roof, and they start to do some unauthorized renovation. you got to wonder what that was like for the people inside the house. you got to wonder what it was like for Jesus. I mean, this is his house. He's like, I'm going to have to fix that. Good thing I was raised by a builder. You've got to wonder what these guys were thinking, right? I mean, you don't go crashing through somebody's roof without fear of some consequences. But they're so sure that Jesus can heal their friend that they do something absolutely bonkers that none of us would do, right? And Jesus, he, he sees this for what it is. This is what trust looks like. And he is fired up about it. It's worth pointing out that the first time that faith is mentioned in the gospel, it's right here. It's in the context of acting. It's not about necessarily knowing or feeling something. Their friend needs Jesus, and they have to do something about it. That's all that matters to them, not the consequences, not the embarrassment it might bring. But you, you got to, like, think about, I mean, I imagine these guys got all kinds of mileage about this story, right? Do you remember that time we took down the roof? Yeah, it was crazy. The first thing that Mark wants us to see is that there is a crowd who is, you know, just kind of there watching what's going on. They're listening to Jesus. Maybe they're even curious. Maybe they're skeptical, but they're hanging back for one reason or another. But then there are those who actively trust Jesus with their deepest longings who literally will crash through the roof to get to him. And Jesus is so excited about the faith of these friends that he says to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And I wonder what the guy was thinking. Cool, cool, cool. Um, thank you. That's great. Love that. Not really why I'm here, though. If you could do something about my body, that's why I'm here. The crowds are puzzled. The, the guy and his friends, they're, they're, they're curious. But the religious leaders, they're mad. They're shocked. And maybe you're somewhere in between all that. I mean, the man is paralyzed. What, what on earth does forgiveness have to do with that? 
Well, most of the healings in the Bible, they actually don't come in direct response to things that people have done. And yet there was definitely this idea out there in first century Judaism that there was this connection between healing and sin. The, the Talmud, the, the oral tradition of Jewish teaching, one rabbi quoting another rabbi is saying, the sick person recovers from his illness only when the heavenly court forgives him for all of his sins. And this idea has kind of hung around in the popular imagination ever since, that good things happen to good people. And, you know, all the bad things that happen, well, those rest squarely on the shoulders of those who have made bad choices. Or, or they're the consequences that get handed down by those bad choices. And later on, the disciples show how much this has kind of gotten into their imagination when they find this man who was blind from birth. And they ask Jesus, well, is this because of some sin in his life or some sin in his parents' life? As though those are the only two choices. And Jesus says, look, that is the wrong question. So why on earth does Jesus say to this man who has come for healing, son, your sins are forgiven? Well, it's because Jesus has come to reveal the kingdom, and in the kingdom, forgiveness and healing belong together. But forgiveness runs a whole lot deeper. Jesus cares about the man. He cares about his suffering. Jesus never splits bodies from souls. When he is resurrected, it is in a body that bears wounds. Bodies matter to Jesus. But he also knows that the thing that weighs us down, the thing that's most deeply wrong to us, isn't the suffering that is at the things that are done to us. It is the shame that we carry. It's the guilt that we carry down in our bones that's passed down from generation to generation. In the words of Barbara Brown Taylor, deep down in the human existence, there is an experience of being cut off from life. There's a memory of having been treated cruelly and perhaps a little deeper, the memory of having treated someone else cruelly as well. Deep down in human existence, there is an experience of seeing the light and turning from it, either because it's too beautiful or because it spoils the dank but familiar darkness. Deep down in human existence, there's experience of reaching for forbidden fruit, of pushing away loving arms, of breaking something on purpose just to prove that you can. Deep down in human existence, there's an experience of doing whatever is necessary to feed and comfort the self because there's no one else to trust, no other purpose to serve, no other God to follow. For ages and ages, this experience has been called sin, deadly alienation from the source of life. There are thousands of different ways that we turn from the light, a thousand different ways that we choose to live in a kingdom of our own making without reference to God. That's why we confess our sin every week, and sometimes the silence isn't enough space to deal with the darkness that we have invited. And Jesus says that is our main problem. You think you're here because you're paralyzed. But I can heal you on a way deeper level than that. I'm going to drive down into the depths of your being and heal you from the inside out. And yeah, sure enough, like the, the, the healing of his body will ease his suffering. It will help him work. It will help him bring him back into society, be a productive member. And these are signs of the kingdom. That's, these are signs that things are, you know, the way that they are meant to be. But they're only temporary. A body healed will soon fail. And so imagine that you were in front of Jesus with your need. You know what it is. 
Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's shored up relationships. Maybe it's a better job or some more security or a past wound that you, you just can't shake. And Jesus says yes to all of that, but go a little bit deeper. Jesus hasn't come to bring temporarily relief to those who are lucky enough to get into his presence. He has come to reveal the heart of the kingdom. And that means getting to the root of the problem that infects everyone. He's come to forgive sin. Every sickness, every disease, every death, every cancer diagnosis, every lynching, every life lost to a stray bullet, every bomb dropped with precision, every broken heart, every broken system is a symptom of sin's stranglehold on the world. They are a sign that things are not the way that they are meant to be. And so every healing is a driving back of death, an invitation for the kingdom to come in and invade all those places where sin holds its sway. It's putting a stake in the ground that forgiveness has occupied that space where pain and where guilt used to be. And all throughout the Bible, every time there is a healing, it's for a specific reason. It's designed to show us something specific about the kingdom of God, about the kind of forgiveness that the kingdom makes possible. And so Jesus is confronting this man, but the deeper problem, and he's saying, let's go into that by going down into your longings, into the place where you are cut off from life. Forgiveness is about dealing with the past. The thing that keeps us from flourishing isn't just the things that happen to us. It's not simply the bad choices we make. And so often we reduce the idea of sin to breaking God's laws. But the thing is, you can't really break God's laws. They are still standing whether you obey them or not. Trying to break them is like trying to break the law of gravity. Gravity always wins. And like gravity, when you try to break God's laws, they usually just end up breaking you. And until you know that you're forgiven, you're not going to be able to walk it off. And then you're just as paralyzed as anybody. Until you know you're forgiven, you're just waiting for one more healing after another. A number of years ago, I met a man after a church service who was absolutely filled with rage. He'd just gone through a terrible divorce. He'd lost custody of his children. He would say horrible things about his ex one moment and be torn up by guilt and shame the next. But he was never able to see that his anger and his pain were the thing that were keeping him immobilized. We talked on and off for a month. He was always like a lit fuse he never followed up on the referrals to therapists that I gave him, the ones who could help him process through his pain. But deeper than that, he never took me up on the offer to ask God for forgiveness for the anger and bitterness that was tearing him apart. Well, I got a phone call one day that he was in the hospital. He was found unconscious, ejected from his car. It had collided with a tree stench of alcohol all over his body. He now sat in a coma, not expected to make it through the night. And a friend of his who called me at the hospital, he, we met, we prayed, I helped him say goodbye. Well, a few days later, I got a call that not only was he awake, but he was responsive. He was expected to make a full recovery. I mean, I could not believe it. I, I, I rushed to the hospital 
The doctor that attended a few days before said, there's no explanation for this. And when I came into the room, I was expecting a breakthrough. But I found him angrier than I had ever seen him before. This collision with the tree wasn't an accident. And waking up and discovering that he was still trapped inside his pain and his guilt just filled him with bitterness. I tell you the story because by sheer medical criteria, it should have been a story of healing, but it isn't, right? There's more to healing than regaining your body. When you're a million miles away from forgiveness and carrying around the weight of brokenness and guilt, healing on its own is not going to help you get up and walk into a new life. We always think that what we need most is healing, what we want most is healing, but the thing that we need is forgiveness. And that brings us back to this man who's paralyzed. When Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven, everyone is surprised. But like I said, the religious leaders, they get mad. Because Jesus is claiming to do something that only God can do. Again, it's this question of who is this guy who says he can do this? And so Jesus asks them a question. Well, which is easier, guys? To say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say to him, get up and walk? It's a good question. It's as if Jesus is saying to them, look, we can talk about healing if you want to. We can talk about all of the the complicated ways that we compartmentalize and we we shove aside our guilt. But if we really want to talk about the problem that's underneath all of that, all of our our pathologies, our illnesses, our neuroses, then we're going to have to talk about the forgiveness of sins. Guilt is the the universal disease of the soul. We've all been infected by it. We've all been paralyzed by it in one way or another. It is the hardest disease of all to heal. And knowing that you are forgiven is the only way you'll get moving again. But to get to the healing, it's going to take more than a smooth preacher or a miracle worker. It's going to take a savior. And Jesus says, that is why I came. Well, the story ends with the religious leaders who think that they, know, they need no healing, paralyzed by their skepticism or by their sense of propriety or whatever it is, but they're unable to see past their own anger. They are unable to see the kingdom of the heavens breaking into the world. They're unable to see God in their midst and what God is doing right in front of them. While the man who came paralyzed along with his friends, well, they trust Jesus to move away from the front porch and they take up the invitation to move in and find a home with him. And friends, that is really the choice for us, isn't it? We want healing, but we want it on our own terms. But that's not deep enough. We need someone to pierce our self-centeredness, to remove the, the fear and the guilt that overwhelms us and enslaves us and distorts even our deepest longings and desires. In short, we need forgiveness. That's why the only way for our discontent to be healed, it's going to take more than a miracle worker. It's going to take a savior. And somewhere in the process of sorting through all of the layers of what we thought were our hopes and our dreams, we'll discover that the compass needle of our hearts, the thing that points toward our deepest longings, just leads us straight to Jesus. And so in the end, friend, the invitation is to come 
to bring your pain, to bring your wounds, to bring your guilt and be set free. You don't have to be stuck anymore. It's at the table each week where we celebrate this forgiveness that is offered. Where we remember that to be healed, Jesus had to be wounded. And all of this so that he could carry our longings before the Father. And so, friends, as we come, let us remember, let us rejoice, and let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples together in an upper room. He had always been carrying them to the heart of the kingdom. And on this night, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Take all of you and eat of this and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after he took the cup and poured it out, saying, This is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take all of you and drink of it. And do this in remembrance of me. And so it is that whenever we eat this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim his dying until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come. All has been made ready. Will the servers come forward? And as they do, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Come, friends, the table has been set and all has been made ready.
everyone. Stand and join in our last song. You guys can go ahead. You guys, the band, you can go ahead and have a seat. Ordinarily, this would be the time in the service where we have a benediction. You guys can go ahead and have a seat as well. Um, uh, you know, when I when I talked with Carrie uh, earlier uh, in the month, when we were talking about you know what we were going to do and what we were going to say to uh, honor her, she said uh, you, the only thing that you can't do is you cannot make the service about me. You cannot make the message about me, um, which. I said, well, fair enough, but we can't let the service go by without saying how much you have meant to us. And yeah.
And so we thought the only appropriate way to send Carrie out is somebody who has been so responsible for shaping the liturgy of this church is to send her out with some liturgy. Uh, the Bible is filled with stories of all kinds of people who have been called to move on to new places. We have Abraham and Sarah, Mary and Joseph, Paul and Barnabas, Priscilla and Achilla. And they're filled with uncertainty about what lay ahead always. But they also know that they trust God. And while these moves couldn't have been easy, they were filled with, because of their trust, with excitement, with expectancy, trusting that God would meet them in the new place that God is sending them. And so we trust that for you, Carrie, as we send you out. And though we're sad to see your ministry here come to an end, we are thrilled that God is calling you to a new journey and know that your ministry is going to continue. And perhaps even the most rich chapter lay ahead of you. So we thought, like I said, the only way to say goodbye was through some liturgy. And so, friends, let us pray as I invite Elder Paul Hummel to come on up. God of our beginnings and our endings, we celebrate all that we have shared with Carrie and ask your blessing as she continues on her journey. May the love that we share be a bond that unites us forever, wherever you take us. May the power of your presence bless this moment of our leave-taking. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Uh, please join me in this liturgical reading of scripture from the Psalms. You, O oh God, will guard us from all evil. You will protect our lives. You will protect our going out and coming in, both now and forever. Where can I flee from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I climb to heaven, you are there. If I lie in the grave, you are there also. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the depths of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your hand shall hold me fast. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, and shall be forever. Amen. We had a time of sharing as a staff on Tuesday, uh, but Carrie, there's no shortage of people who wanted to tell you what they meant to you. And... Uh, so we wanted their words to be a blessing to you, and so I want to invite you all to direct your attention to the screen as we hear from folks who just want to love you. I am so thankful for Carrie's worship because when you're watching um, on Sunday mornings, it doesn't feel like you're just passively watching some kind of production or performance. It feels like Carrie really invites you in, into the experience. She creates a space where it's not about her, it's about God. And I just really love that part of Sunday mornings. Um, yeah, that it just always points to something more. Um, it's amazing that she runs the show but doesn't ever make it about herself and I feel like you really feel that when you're there on Sundays. And I love you, we're gonna miss you. 
Um, we honestly, I think your music is one of the things that first brought me to All Souls. Um, and just your your dedication to the music, not only in a, you know just a purely mu musical um, expertise way, but also in the sense that you care about how the congregation is going to react to it and how it's going to be honoring to God. I mean, not to mention your style just really drives with mine. And it's been so great to have the opportunity to play with you um, all these years. Um, I still feel like the happiest moments was playing. Uh, um, I don't know. So happy. I can't even remember the, the name of the, the, the song. The Civil Wars? Yeah, from this valley. Thank you. <laughs> um, was such a fun, such a fun time for me. Um, really going to miss you. Happy for you. Um, uh, but won't forget you. Hi, Carrie. You have been so incredible to our family while we've been here at All Souls. Your inclusion of us and your care for us really just means the world. I love how you put together the worship service. So that means being on the worship team is so simple and easy and we can just follow your lead. We wish you could be the best as you go on. Um, I just wanted to say a quick thanks for the many years uh, that you've led worship at All Souls. Uh, as soon as we visited All Souls for the first time, I remember uh, you being on stage and being very, very impressed with uh, just the quality of music. Uh, I, um, of course, have felt really cared for and included in that, and I really, really appreciate all that you've done um, just to bring us and usher us into the presence of God. It, it means so much. Uh, I love um, your ability to include people, to, to bring out the best in, in, in musicians, and, and, and that includes myself. I think before uh, working with a band at All Souls, I, I think I was someone who was um, uh, great at doing solo stuff, because I was forced to with Young Life, uh, but you uh, brought out uh, the, the chance to work with, and, uh, um, with other people, and it just means so much to me, so thank you so much for everything. Surely you're going to be missed there. We really do love and appreciate you. Uh, blessings on your on your transition to the next step. See you soon. Back in the day when Carrie first took over the Ministry of Music in All Souls, I had the privilege of coming in and working under her. I recall, I think you might as well, Carrie, that when I first came in, you found out through my husband that I was a musician and you asked him if I would play bass on my first Sunday playing at All Souls. I had never played bass before, but I happened to have one. And so I played bass because you had no bass players. And I thought it was so funny. Um, but I appreciated that. You challenged me. And throughout my entire time at All Souls, I always felt well cared for, well taught and loved. And I always appreciated singing and playing with you as I still do today when I get the chance. So I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, I'm excited for the new chapter you have in your life and uh, I'm just thankful to call you a friend. It has meant a lot to me that you were the one that offered me my first uh, real job of sorts. Uh, I mean obviously only one day a week but uh, it was. It, it's been a huge boon to my life to be able to uh, know I have a con that I have something consistent that I can come to every week on a day where usually I didn't have much going on. Um, and uh, being able to work under you has. I've learned a lot 
all the time. Uh, I appreciate you trusting me a lot to keep things going and to keep things stable. Um, I know that's a one of my gen general strengths is stable is trying to keep things in line, but uh, it means it's, it's another level when someone directly says, "No, I trust you with this," um, and you did it over and over and over again, and that meant a lot to me. I love your family. I love all your kids. You've been great to me. All of you've been great to me. Um, thank you for giving me a shot. Hey, Carrie. I just wanted to say a big thank you for being my worship director all these years, 18 years. I have loved walking in on Sunday mornings and um, being in the presence of the liturgy and the music that you put together and the way that you have ushered us to the throne of God all these years. Um, and not only that, having you as a women's ministry director has just been so nourishing to my soul. You've gone above and beyond, particularly for me, to take care of me these last years um, as I've walked through some grief and suffering. So thank you so much for your service and your love and your commitment to our community all these years. Um, I know you've sacrificed a lot, a lot and I... I'm so grateful to call you a friend. Blessings and the journey ahead. I can't wait to see. Take care. I love you. Hi, Carrie. Just wanted to take a quick minute to say how much your friendship and leadership over the last couple years has meant to me at All Souls. Um, it's been so fun planning events with you and doing Thursday mornings with you and just learning from the way, the unique perspective that you have brought to worship and to our contemplative practices has been so awesome and I feel like I've grown a lot um, while working with you. So I really appreciate everything. I'm really excited for this next step in your education and looking forward to hearing all about it. See you soon. Love you. Since you've taken over women's ministry, I've enjoyed getting to know you um, in the heart that you have brought to that. We will miss you dearly. It really is hard to imagine the church without you here, but I am excited for what comes ahead, for the schooling you're getting to do, and to see where God will lead you. Uh, you have shared your own spiritual journey and the way that God has been leading you, the practices uh, and discoveries and insights that have had an impact on you. You have brought those to share with us. It has shaped my own life and ministry as a result and so many ministries at our church. And so thank you for the influence that you've had, not only in the work that you have done for God, but the work that you've allowed him to do in you and that by sharing that with us, our church and the people in it have been transformed. We're gonna miss you and it's not without great hope and excitement for your future. Um, we know you're going to do great things and impact lives um, in your special, awesome way. And so we're, we're excited to hear about that as the years pass. Um, and for now, we'll stick with missing worshiping with you. Um, yeah. Bye, Carrie. Bye. That was just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> Near the end of his life, the Apostle Paul was looking back on his ministry, and he wrote some words to uh, the church in Philippi that I think capture, in a sense, what we want to say to you. And he wrote this, I thank my God every time I remember you. 
In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. When I think about you, Carrie, uh, at, at first, when uh, we first heard about All Souls, and I don't know if I ever told you this, but uh, the, the nominating committee said that, uh, yeah, the former pastor's wife is a worship director. I was like, oh, how's that going to work? Better than I ever could have imagined. Uh, you have been a gift for these last two years, and um, I look forward to a new season of our relationship uh, just being friends and just being able to talk about what God is doing in our lives. There's something in the passage this week that I couldn't help but think about all week was that these friends of this man who was paralyzed, uh, they had one great compulsion in their life, and that was to bring their friend to Jesus. And that is what you have done for 18 years here. You have just consistently brought people into the presence of Jesus. And we know that's what you're going to continue to do. And so we are grateful for you. And uh, I want to invite, uh, yeah, Danya's already here. Um, on behalf of the congregation, I invite you forward as well. And we're going to present you with this gift. And uh, Danya's going to say a few words of personal thanks and pray for you. testing. Okay. Carrie, you've been such a blessing to this congregation, to this community, and to each and every one of us. We're so grateful for your ministry. We're so grateful for you. And everybody in here has a story to tell. Um, when my husband and I moved from Loganville into Decatur, I'd been praying for God to, to show us where to go and where to, where to put our feet down. Um, and I came on a little reconnaissance mission to this little church on the end of a strip plaza. And the minute I came in, and the music and the worship and the truth that was being preached, I knew this was home for me and Chris. And we didn't go anywhere else. We've been here the whole time. Thank you so much for everything you have done for this community. On behalf of the session... We want to give you a gift, a parting gift. Uh, we don't have it yet. <laughs> it's on order. <laughs> Supply chain, okay. <laughs> we have bought you some home monitors for your home music studio. Yeah, so you can uh, make that space your own and continue to do what you love best. <laughs> And also, the congregation loves you so much, they want to give you a parting gift. 
So this is a gift card tree, and you will see all on this plant cards and gift cards that let you uh, go do whatever it is you want there. That's, that's going to be a little afternoon uh, job for you to read and try really hard not to cry, right? <laughs> all right. Um, I would like to invite the rest of the session and the staff up, please. Uh, we're going to we're going to uh, lay our hands on Carrie. It is right for us, the laying on of hands, to send her on to her next assignment that God has given to her. No, you don't have to kneel. I started to say, I started to say, yeah, we, that's gets a little harder. And for all of you in the congregation, if you feel so inclined to do so, just reach your hand out towards carry and pray along with us as we send her to her next assignment father god we love you so much you are our god and you who sent us carry for a time and a season she has obeyed your calling and she has invested in us she has planted seed here that will grow and produce a hundredfold what you gave her to plant. But now the time has come for her to move to her next assignment. And we know that she moves in obedience to your calling. This is what we love and appreciate about her so much. Father God, as she does take leave of this assignment, as she takes leave of this congregation here at All Souls Fellowship, we pray over her. We pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to lead her and guide her. We pray that you will strengthen her and give her courage to take that next step, to take a step of faith and do whatever it is you are calling her to do and be in this next phase of life and ministry. Father God, may your covenant stay with her Shield her and guard her from evil. We send her forth in your blessing. We send her forth in your love and with love from our hearts. We entrust her into your calling. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, yeah. That I love you all. And that's all I can say is that I love you all. <laughs> and friends, now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And may the one who has prepared a place for you uh, meet you on the journey ahead. Uh, Carrie, we do want to have one last thing. Bonte, I want to invite Bonte up. You have led us so faithfully all these years in singing the benediction song, and so we thought the only fitting way to end would be to sing, to sing it. But listen, this is God's word to you. I thought I was going to have a band to hide behind. Hey, Carrie, well done. Oh, well done.
In the summertime when the water's gone Diagonal lines in the rolled out lawns And the sage always smells so pretty But nobody cares where the birds have gone When the rain comes down on Babylon The stonemason's phone rings all day long And you gotta get back to the city 